socio-political issues. One man searches for intelligent conversation. From Dedham, Massachusetts, the birthplace of modern democracy, this is You Don't Have to Yell with your host, Dan Sally. Sally, Sally. Welcome, compadre, to episode 101 of You Don't Have to Yell. It is your bad boy of nonpartisan political podcasting here, putting another brick in the home for the politically homeless. That's the best analogy I could come up with today, guys. Sorry. Now, as I mentioned in the last episode, for the month of July, we are bringing back some of my favorite guests from the past 100 episodes to revisit our earlier discussions and see where they're at now. And back in August of 2020, I had Arjun Murthy on, an old friend of mine who founded The Factual, a news site and newsletter that algorithmically sorts stories based on credibility and political lean with the goal of giving folks a news source that minimizes partisan bias. And the most interesting thing about our conversation back then was how people on both the right and the left responded enthusiastically to it, which indicated a very strong appetite for truth over hyperbole. Now, since then, The Factual has begun to build an online community where popular issues of the day are discussed, and Arjun has had some equally surprising findings there. I'm going to leave it to Arjun to explain, because otherwise I would totally negate the purpose of this episode, but I will be back at the end with my final thoughts. Just so everybody knows, in case this makes it to the cut, uh, Arjun and I were talking about my hair which I felt everybody would want to hear about. So uh, I thought I'd start off. Yeah. So my hair was like down to here and it was just like laziness. You know, it was like, it wasn't like I had any like real desire to have my hair long. It was just like, I just had gotten out of the habit of going places with COVID and everything. So yeah, yeah. I was tying my hair up in a ponytail um, when I was on zoom. So that way, like, cause if I go like that and then I put on a headset you know, I mean, it, but it kind of looks like I'm bald almost, you know, cause I got like that <laughs> thing going on. But, um, at any rate, so then I went back to the guy who cuts my hair and I told him my situation. I'm like, I need to cut it a little bit short, but my wife actually likes some length and likes the curls. So I've got to mm. balance out her desires with. Looks good. Looks a, little, looks a little professorial. I like it. You like it? Okay, good. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like in my line of work, you know, I can get away with looking a little a little a little professorial, a little smart. For the folks who who didn't hear our episode, I think we we did one back in August, I think it was of last year. For the folks who didn't listen, can you can you just explain the factual what its mission is and and what it does? Sure. Um, so the factual is a new service. And we help people find the most uh, credible and informative stories across the political spectrum on trending topics, typically U.S. news, business, world news. Um, We have a daily newsletter and an app and a website that allows you to easily uh, be informed without the sensationalism, the bias, etc. The mission um, has always been that Uh, or rather the the hypothesis has always been that uh, we are not as polarized and as different from each other as we might think. 
from reading the news. If you read the news, it seems like we have such divergent viewpoints on basic things that we think is core to humanity and society. But we always have had this hunch that actually we're not that different. We seem to think we are just because of the media we read. And so, you know, we don't have a, it's not a kumbaya sort of thing, but I always thought, look, if you all just read informative, well-researched, relatively neutral, non-inflammatory stuff, I think most of you would find you have a lot in common. Uh, we have this daily poll. And it's fascinating. A lot of times, even when people vote differently, their comments are almost the same. For example, yesterday's question was, should we ban apps from China? So the Biden administration uh, sort of reversed the proposed ban that the Trump administration had on TikTok and WeChat uh, being banned. And so even though people voted differently, they basically all said something along the lines of, there's something asymmetrical here. Like China doesn't allow a lot of US apps anyways, yet we allowed their stuff. So that's a little asymmetric. And then um, there should be like, we don't like the government telling us what we can and cannot do. But at the same time, are we exposing ourselves to a level of risk that we don't even understand? I mean, these apps do a lot of things that you don't really know uh, yeah. what information they're capturing and sending. And so some people voted to ban and some people voted not to ban, but yet they said almost the same stuff. And I see this time and again. And, you know, we've had it on, on very divisive issues. Like we had, do you need a license to open carry guns? Uh, back when Texas was considering this, uh, we've had stuff on the border and people would vote like dramatically differently. You'd see Mike. And then the comments, the exact same. We had gun owners and non-gun owners say, you should always be responsible. Everyone needs training. 80% actually in that one voted that you should have a license to open carry. They said, it's good. You know, a lot of people are like, everyone should have a gun. I think it's great. But you also need to be properly trained with it, store it carefully, have a license, all these things. So it's remarkable how in a country that seems so divided, I actually think we're, we're not that divided, except for like the crazy fringe 10%. Where do you think the source is? Do you think the source is coming from the media folks consume? Do you think it's guided by our political leaders? Is it some, you know, symbiotic death spiral between the two? <laughs> like, what is it? I think it's a lot of that. So uh, one thesis that I have is that increasingly, everyone wants attention. And if you want attention on social media, or you want to be retweeted or liked or shared or what have you, you need to say the things that are soundbite worthy, short, punchy, critical, divisive, it's easier to then rally around or rally against. And so whether it's our politicians or our, the, the, you know, the general public, it's no good to say something that's nuanced, like, look, I think it's fine to have guns, but we do need to have thoughtful ways to make sure that responsible people have it and criminals don't get it. And how do we really focus on those two differently. It's a complex topic, but here are some things we can learn from others. Like, it's just, it's very long-winded. Everyone's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what he's saying. Yeah. Versus, you know, you go with like something punchy, like guns don't kill people, you know, people kill people or um, whatever. Like, uh, you know, we have the most guns in, in the world per capita. And of course, that's why we have so many deaths or, 
You yeah. Just, you have these like things you just throw out and people are like, yeah, I love it. I love it. Or I hate you. You're so dumb. And I don't know. It just, it, it's like nuance is just not valued in, in the public sphere on social media, et cetera. And I think that makes us, that makes all the loud mouths uh, much worse for us. You know, I read this study on polarization in American politics and it correlated a rise in polarization with cable penetration rates. So what it showed is that if you looked at political polarization over, you know, 1980 to like 19 or to 2000 or something to that effect, as cable became cable television became more and more prevalent in communities in the United States, you saw the ones with cable started to become more extreme than the ones without. And I'm not blaming cable entirely, but the thesis was that, you know, prior to cable television, everybody kind of watched the same newscast. Mm -hmm. And so we were all consuming the same exact, you know, the same media. And there was a, there were a larger group of people who were, or I shouldn't say a larger, but there was a, a, a substantial segment of the population that was watching that newscast because they had nothing better to do or because there was nothing better on. And what happened, they said, is, or, or the study claims, is that, you know, as cable television evolved and, and became more prevalent, the people who were disengaged politically found other stuff to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, so they could watch like Real Housewives or, you know, <laughs> like whatever, uh, high lie, like some, you know, like there was <laughs> world series of poker. Like there was no lack of options for them to entertain themselves. And, but the people who were the most engaged mm -hmm. had 24 seven news coverage. And that eventually led to this scenario where networks then competed for subsets of the population. And so it wasn't necessarily that the whole population became more extreme, but rather the most politically engaged did because they had this stuff just pumped into their houses. And I almost think, I mean, social media has just kind of amplified that to a great degree. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. It's, I think the majority of us haven't changed that much. There's um, I'm going to get this wrong, but there's, there's two types of polarization, there's affective polarization and effective polarization. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think the, the, broad difference is that one is like actually you have changed and the other is that you think the other person's changed or something like that. And what mm -hmm. it shows that we haven't actually changed, but we just all think that everyone else has changed. Uh, but our own views have not changed that much over the years. So I think you're right that, you know, like broadly speaking, we think 80% of the population is roughly the same as it was 30 years ago or 40 years ago, but the 10% on the left and 10% on the right, which are uh, very vocal and very politically engaged they start to look like they represent uh, what we think, but they don't. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is very interesting is we, these polls show us that at least our readership is not uniformly left or right. Mm -hmm. Like on one day, we could have 80% say they think you should have a license to open carry. On another day, we'll have 80% say, uh, for example, they oppose or rather they support bills that prevent uh, transgender women from competing in female uh, athletics. Now you would see those two and you'd say, wow, the first one sounds very liberal. 80% say you should have a license to open carry. The second yeah. one sounds very Republican, you know, oppose transgender women athletics. And yet what we see a lot of times is that people have little bits and pieces of all this. And by the way, the comments again, in, in both those polls are very reasoned. 
they were like, I'm very pro LGBT. I, I, I really think that, you know, you should be allowed to live your life the way you are, but my worry is more about you infringing on the rights of these other people and whether that's fair, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I think uh, it's so stark a contrast to something like Twitter, where Twitter just seems really partisan and polarized. It's like you're either mm-hmm. this or you're that. And what we find is our readership is never like that. They're like, no, I kind of like a little bit of it. I kind of like a little bit of that. Does, is your readership too, are they partisans, you know, or are they... Are they maybe, yeah, like, are they, are they partisans or are they maybe like left or right leaning independents or or do you know? Yeah. So we don't know um, definitively because our whole community is anonymous and we Mm -hmm. really want to respect that. We think that if you're going to have thoughtful discussions about the news and honest discussions about the news, you need a degree of anonymity uh, that is lost everywhere else in society now. And everything you say can have some sort of professional, personal backlash. That's horrible. Like we want to have a discussion and ask thoughtful questions and really see honest, you know, answers back and then not have it stick to us for our lives or something. Anyways, um, so we don't try to find out a lot, but we know some things. We recruit about 20% of our user base from Facebook. So because of Facebook's data, we can kind of guess that, oh, you like right-leaning publications or you like left-leaning publications. Um, and funnily enough, our data there splits right down the middle, literally 50-50 left and right um, that we get from recruiting on Facebook. So it seems like it, it seems logical to, to posit that the rest of our base is kind of split that way. Um, and then when we have people comment, they sometimes will say things in the comments like, you know, I have a Republican or I've always voted Democrat or whatever, but here's what I think. Um, so net net, I think we have a good mix. I don't think we have uh, a rabbit, uh, like a hard centrist base. I do think we have people that are very definitively think of themselves as Republicans or Democrats. But what they have in common is they want to make their own decisions. They want to see the facts and come to their own conclusions. They don't want to be mollycoddled or to be fed a narrative and be like, this is what you have to believe if you're part of the, you know, the the movement or what have you. They're like, I'll yeah. make my own decisions. I'm smart enough. I'm I'm really curious as to what the conversation was like leading up and then after the the last election. Because when you and I spoke, I mean, last, you know, things were bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> but it got a little it got it got worse. I mean, what you know, the 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 allegations of voter fraud were were teed up very early on. Um, uh, obviously, th- there was nothing else on the news following the election. And then it all leads to the to the January 6th riot at yeah. the Capitol. What was what was going on with the factual What was going on with your community during that period of time? Well, we didn't roll out the polls and commenting stuff until just around February or March. So we don't really have a before and after contrast with the election. Um, We were certainly getting a lot of engagement, a lot of people signing up and and wanting to find credible news and informative news before and after the election. So broadly speaking, that was sort of a good thing uh, from a news standpoint. But we have since run a lot of uh, discussions around what happened in the election, January 6th, et cetera. And I think they're also, they're surprising 
uh, elements of commonality. So again, I'm not sure if we're representative of a national average, although usually when we run polls that Pew Research or Gallup have done, our results tend to be similar. Uh, so we ran things around, uh, we try to make the poll discussion very specific versus, yeah. you know, very generic. And we try to make it very much about policy and not politics, because I think politics is just opinionated garbage for the most part. I'd mm -hmm. rather be about a policy measure. Like, do you think this is a good policy or not? Yeah. And so what you find is that uh, at least our base mostly thinks the election was conducted uh, fairly, but could certainly be improved. For example, there's widespread support for voter ID. Interesting. And yeah, it's, it's very wide. And I think what's interesting is a lot of people are saying, look, I'm not, this is not a targeted voter suppression racist thing that we're, you know, we're being accused of. We're just saying have elections that you trust because clearly this last election, there's a bunch of people that don't trust it. We don't want this problem to get any worse. Let's do this. And by the way, having an ID is good for so many facets of life, not just voting. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of our readers said is if getting an ID is so difficult in various places, and it genuinely is difficult in rural areas for poor people, for people that have uh, multiple jobs and couldn't find the time to go down to DMV and do this, they're like, great, then the plan should be let's find ways to get these people IDs, mobile yeah. ID units, days off, you know, whatever, something. But it shouldn't be that the answer is don't require an ID. It should go the other way, which is give them all the help they can to get IDs. That should be, we should be canvassing to say, do you have an ID? Four years from now, let's make sure it's in place so this doesn't become an issue. And I thought that was very thoughtful of, of our readership. 40% folks. That's the number of people in America who don't identify with either major party, bigger than either of them in terms of voters. 60% is the number of Americans who feel another major party is needed. Both are a signal something's wrong, and both are a signal Americans are looking for something more, and that is why you listen to You Don't Have to Yell. Now, nothing's going to change until we open up the two-party system to real political competition, and in the right numbers, we can make this happen. So here are two ways you can help. Number one, if you dig the content on YDHTY and you know someone else who would, please share this show with them. The goal of YDHTY is not just to push for electoral reform, but to get the center back into the conversation. And this podcast grows by word of mouth. Number two, if you want to take action in your state, visit rankthevote.us. It's an organization focused on growing the ranked choice voting movement in all 50 states. And while there are no shortages of ways to reform elections in this country, ranked choice voting is by far the most practical and effective way to make elected officials accountable to the majority of voters, not just the parties. 2020 is going to be a decade of change, and I hope you'll choose to join me in making the change for the better. And now, back to the episode. 
I mean, I'm a former Republican, but I think anyone who's listened to this or talks to me know I, I skew liberal now. Mm-hmm. Um, my, <laughs> my, my producer likes to say I, I range between pale blue and dark blue. And, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's just the way it is. I try to be fair, yeah. but I've got my biases. And, um, and so I, I generally saw the voter ID issue from the standpoint of, again, t- you know, people in, in rural areas, yeah. uh, lower income people. You know, I definitely saw their perspective and the difficulty in making that happen. But then I talked with um, a, a woman who actually runs the elections in Polk County, Florida, which is, you know, it's a it's a swing county mm-hmm. um, in, in sh- right outside of Tampa. And she is ardent, ardently pro-voter ID. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's funny because she went through HR one. I had her on for an episode a few months back, and she went through HR one and said, you know, there's some stuff here that's really good. There's some other stuff here that really isn't going to work. And and voter ID was one. Same day registration was another. And the thing she was talking about too is, you know, she she's very active on Twitter, and when she voiced these concerns, there was instantly pushback from every left-leaning person on Twitter over her comments and she just got lambasted about it. Um, and, and yeah. And so I think to your point there, people do appreciate nuance, I think, and, and people do want it. And it just doesn't seem like, you know, again, the, the, it doesn't seem like the, 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 the mainstream media to use a cliche or, you know, for that matter, mainstream social media is really designed to cater to that it's not because it's so much better to assume the worst in the other person because that gets you the likes and the tweets and the hearts Mm -hmm. and all this junk so you know anyone who has a viewpoint different than you of course it must be for a nefarious reason that's you know out to screw some segment of the population yeah but yeah i mean and and maybe maybe some people think that way maybe some politicians i'm not naive enough to think that some are not nefarious Areas. But I think most actually don't think that way. Like they genuinely, you know, you look at what happened in Georgia um, and the secretary of state's a Republican, right? Brad mm-hmm. Raffensperger. And he really, I think, was trying to do the right thing for the most part. You can disagree with what he may have done, but I never got the sense at any point that he was trying to skew it one way or the other. I think he genuinely was like, how do I make the elections be fair and trusted by the folks in Georgia? And he still is acting that way. So I think he has some, I think on the uh, the voter overhaul laws that Georgia's passing, I think Raffensperger wrote an op-ed where he actually agrees with a bunch of it and then disagrees with some parts of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, versus if you see uh, uh, generally liberal media sort of uniformly say that Georgia's voting overhaul is clearly targeted at mm-hmm. voter suppression. And I thought Raffensperger was like, no, I think some of these things are probably good. I don't know if all of them are are good. So it's just that you won't hear as much that voice because it's a nuanced voice. You will mm-hmm. hear a lot more of voices saying this is plainly bad, or this is so obvious that the Democrats are, it's a power grab that they don't want to support these kind of, you know, logical improvements. It's just, it's tiring. And then I, I'm hoping that the factual is like this little oasis where you find out that, hey, actually, some of this stuff's okay, you know, not, not crazy. <laughs> What is what is it about the factual that makes everybody so nice? Yeah, 
I think, I mean, the, the very premise to start, uh, which is, you know, let's see different points of view uh, across the political spectrum and let's find informative articles. It's not just enough to say, let's look at left and right, because you could look at two extremely opinionated pieces. And by the way, what the research says is you'll dig your heels into your point of view when you read really crappy stuff. But when you yeah. read really good stuff, that's when you're, you're open to change or at least open to saying, I still have my viewpoints, but I don't think the other guy is crazy. It's okay. We have different yeah. viewpoints. And it's, it's, it's reasonable. That's, that's life. That's all we want. We're not even trying to change anyone's point of view. We're just saying, just don't hate the other guy. That's the whole goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that's a good, I think that that's a reasonable goal, you know, like <laughs> that all or nothing attitude is a, is a threat to democracy because is, or is the biggest threat right now, because there was a, a, a guy who was on, um, couple months ago, Bob Talese, and, and he uh, wrote a book called Overdoing Democracy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and what he talked about was how, you know, democracy is dependent on the idea that you and I and everybody else in this country view each other as, as, as equals, as political equals. Hmm. And so he said, so we should argue, we should debate, we should have differences. Um, and, and those should be, that should be an open discussion. And it's when you inhabit this separate reality and it's when you shut out the other side and when you decide that the other side's just crazy, um, that's really when democracy breaks down because you're no longer political equals. You are, and, and both parties right now, both parties legitimately feel the other party is looking to undermine democracy. If I look at a lot of uh, legislators, I, I try to follow a few of them here and there or just see, um, there are a lot of thoughtful ones that don't get the yeah. heavy social media following because they're not extremists. Um, uh, hell, I, I think even what Joe Manchin did a few days ago, I mean, he is getting raked over the coals and but you have to read a little bit closer to you know what he's trying to do to say, I may not agree with you, but I kind of empathize with what you're trying to do. Yeah. In your heart, you're trying to save democracy. You're trying to keep from polarization getting worse. I wish, or I don't wish you had voted a certain way, but damn, at least you're trying more than most people are. It's funny. I just did a recording yesterday. Again, another July recording. And um, the way my guest described our political system is what you have is you have these parties that are effectively held hostage by the base. Mm-hmm. So they're held hostage by their most partisan voters because these are the people who show up for primaries and these are the people who turn out to yeah. vote. And so you need the polemic figures. You know, you need the, you need the Jim Jordans and the AOCs yeah. and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Rashida Tlaibs. You know, you need them, the Bernie Sanders yeah. and so on. You need these people to turn out the base. But you also need the moderates to keep the ba- to keep the base from getting anything done is basically yeah. the idea it's fascinating to think that there is a certain amount of gamesmanship that takes place where they understand you know joe manchin is is never going to vote in line with elizabeth warren 100% of the time yeah. he would be vo- he would be voted out of office and they're never going to overturn the filibuster because if they did then he'd have to or he'd yeah. be out you know, one or the other. And, um, 
And what I find fascinating about what you're doing and, and maybe the, let's call it the alternate social media world that exists outside the factual is that it's, it's almost like there's this kind of like philosophical riot going on, you know, on TV and on social media. And, and it serves to gin up that base. It serves to like keep those people hardened, keep those people polarized and keep them fighting. And the folks in the middle are, are, are the folks who really keep that from, you know, burning the house down. And, but the flip side of it is, is that there's a whole bunch of us who are just like miserable from it, you know, <laughs> like yeah. because, because, you know, you know, I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to say you should, you know, you should have to register a firearm with a government authority without automatically having a whole series of character flaws assigned to me as a result. Yeah. And do you feel like, so when folks are coming to your community, do you, are they like, what's their response when they find the factual? I mean, generally the response has been very positive um, as noted by the fact that we have, uh, you know, so our, our program, we have a free two week trial and then you sign up for the subscription, which is five bucks a month or 20 bucks a year. And pretty much everyone goes to the year because it's cheaper. Um, and so our cancellation rate is basically nil. Like we have thousands of subscribers. And I think we've historically, lost 71 people out of mm -hmm. about 3,500 or so. So oh. it's, yeah, it's very small. Like no one, I think people really fall in love with it or find something useful for it. And then we regularly get comments every day or two where people are saying, I really find this a breath of fresh air um, because I can talk about the news. I can read the news. I can see different viewpoints. It's easy. I'm not, feeling angry or inflamed or incensed after it. it's just informative, uh, which is what it's supposed to be. You know, I like, you know, the, the biggest defining factor of our readership is a behavioral element, which is I don't have time for news. I'm busy. I have a job. I have kids. I have bills. I don't have time to go through Twitter and, and look at left and right and center and like, who freaking has time? So can you just make it easy for me, please? That's truly the number one defining factor of our base. So it's quick. It's important news. It's giving you different viewpoints as fast as we can. And then if you want to dig deep, by all means, it's there and it's easy. I guess what's been the biggest surprise for you over, over the past year? I think the biggest surprise is that our, our hypothesis that people have a lot more in common, even if they vote differently, has turned out to, or it looks to be true. Like we see this on the discussions every day where people are say they're different or they vote differently. And yet in the comments, they're so similar. Um, you know, talk about police reform, maybe the hottest issue, right, in the last year. And it's fascinating. Like we ran a poll on Derek Chauvin and what people thought about his, his verdict. And it was insane. It was like 91% thought the verdict was correct and he was guilty. And meanwhile, this is people that were like, we have police officers voting, we have ex-police officers, we have Republicans, and they're all like, no, you look at all the evidence and stuff. He did not serve and protect the public and the community. His job is to protect the community, and he didn't do his job. And he actually went way beyond 
all of the tools he has at his disposal and his training. So yeah, this was wrong. Which, you know, if you think about like the BLM riots and all this stuff, it sounds like, well, one part really wants to change the system and the other part's like holding on. No, don't change it. The police are right. But our base is like, no, that guy, he's a clown. He's not representative of good policing at all. Get mm -hmm. him out of here. There's better yep. police. And most police might actually be good, but he's certainly not a representative of good police. And and the police and the funny thing is the police agree with that statement. Yeah. Like I have I have actually because I don't know why I decide to do these things, but you know, I've talked with police officers about this openly. And they've all been they they were they've all been sickened by what yeah. happened. And and I think they agree there are some things that could be done differently. Interestingly enough, the one thing, and this is on an earlier episode that I learned, is that the the unions actually have a lot to do with it. Yeah, you know, and 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 a lot of times the chief of police is is hamstrung in terms of their ability to control the the folks in the force. And so, um, but again, we that that room for nuance is not there. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing for no other reason than. I would say on a weekly basis, I get calls from my mom <laughs> and she's like, Daniel, you need to watch this YouTube video about, <laughs> and it's whatever, like, like yeah. transgender students, critical race theory. And, and, and I'm listening and, and I feel my mom is a lovely, lovely woman. And she put up with me for so many years and she has done so much as a mother, so much as a grandmother. And so I, and, and I feel bad because sometimes I lose my temper because all I can think is like on my list of things that I'm worried about <laughs> in 2021 with four children, you know, between the ages of 21 and 10, critical race theory is so far down my list of fears. <laughs> like, you know, like maybe if I was retired and, and didn't have anything else going on, maybe I could dive down that rabbit hole. But like right now, I'm just trying to figure out how my son is going to afford insulin when he graduates out of my health insurance. So, oh my God. so I appreciate you trying to put out the fire. Um, Arjun, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to the next conversation. Thank you very much, Dan. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to lots more on this stuff. Now, if you like this episode, please leave it a review and share it with all your friends, neighbors, family, and enemies. And if you haven't subscribed yet, now is the time. Click subscribe or follow, whatever it says on your device, and you will get a piping hot, fresh episode of YDHTY delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or whatever other kooky thing you're listening to this on every ding-dang week. Now, the big takeaway here is that people agree more than they disagree, but we live in a media environment where nuance has zero value. And so we're often either lumping people into these two-dimensional images of their political archetype, or we're being lumped into one ourselves. And the danger here is that it allows the conversation to be dominated by a polarized fringe and distracts us from handling some of the more pressing issues at hand, issues that we actually agree on. Now, we're going to build on this subject in the next episode, 
And it's going to tee up what I'm going to be doing in Season 2 quite nicely, so I hope you will give it a listen. As always, music courtesy of QuellerTac. YDHTY's editorial advisor is the admirable Admiral Adam Yaffe. YDHTY is produced for a limited time only by the big Gino Jason Putney, the snake killer, in North Carolina, United States of America. Until the next, this is Dan Sally. Bye-bye.